Hi there, and welcome to the third edition of the weekly JersNet podcast. Rangers come a cropper again at Hamden in a dismal semi-final display against Celtic. We'll do the full debrief and look at all the major talking points from another gutless display. Also, club chairman David King made an announcement uh, to supporters last week as season ticket renewals were opened. Uh, we'll discuss his time at the club and ask if it can be considered a success. And finally, David Bates signed a pre-contract agreement with Hamburg earlier this week. We'll look at all the aspects of this move and ask if it raises questions about the merits of producing our own homegrown players. Your Jairs podcast host this week is me, Colin Armstrong, and joining me to discuss our topics is Stuart Franklin and David Fraser. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. David? Good evening, Colin. Uh, how, how are we faring tonight? I'm assuming we're all fairly uh, fair, feeling fairly low, I suppose. Yeah, it's um, never good to, to, to be beaten, um, um, and it's even worse when it's against Celtic and you're hammered. Yeah, it's just the same as what Stuart's saying there, Colin. Just um, a wee bit disconsolate, to say the least. Um, yeah. Difficult to know where we go from here. Uh, it's a pretty grim one. It's a sore one. It's another kick in the stones, as they say. It's, uh, I sometimes wonder if it's if it's ever going to stop. We'll get straight into it. We'll, we'll, we'll not sort of hang about. Uh, today's game, I mean, again, it was a bit of a shambles. When, when, I, when I first saw the team, I must admit, I kind of thought Marty was going in the right direction. Uh, David, what did what did you think when you saw when you saw the team selection today? I must admit, I was a bit surprised at Andy Halliday's inclusion. Um, I was also surprised that uh, Bruno Alves been omitted. And if uh, if you push me on it, I, I thought Kenny Miller would have started, but um, obviously the, the latter two didn't start. So uh, it was a bit of a bit of a strange one. Yeah, sure. in, in terms of the team, I was I, I I wasn't overly worried or surprised at the personnel. But what did surprise me was it seemed to be a a four three three that um, that he went with, and um, I think most of us had been calling for three in the middle of the park. And okay, we had that to a certain extent, but they were still a bit more spread out. And I think the change of system seemed to affect the players and. Nobody seemed to know exactly where they were meant to be playing um, or how far at the park they should be. And, and certainly for the first half an hour of the game, uh, we were all over the shop. I, I mean, I would agree with some of what was said there. I mean, I, I must admit, I mean, the Halliday one, I did raise my eyebrow at that. I thought, well, strange, but it kind of fitted in with what, what I felt had come from the previous game against Celtic. You know, we were a wee bit overrun in the middle of the park. I don't know if Halliday was the answer, but you know, bringing in that that sort of extra body, I thought right, he's going the right way. I agreed with. I'm going to have to disagree with David a wee bit here. I agreed with, 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 with keeping Bruno out and and going with McCrory at centre half. As I say that, that at that point, I thought that looks like a decent side, but it just it just absolutely there was there was there was such a lack of effort, a, a lack of passion and desire. You know, a, a Scottish Cup semi final. A real chance to, you know, end this sort of running, not winning a major trophy. And twenty minutes, half an hour in, you knew then, you knew then the game was gone. <laughs> Can any think why there was such a sort of? I mean, understand you were saying there that 
players look to be a bit confused by the system. But that doesn't excuse the sort of lack of effort and, and desire in there today. Well, um, it's only comfort the, the manager. Um, I think there seems to be a lack of motivation in this team. Um, it's been ongoing for a while, probably not just under Murty. Um, but the, we start games far too slowly. Um, I've done for a while. Um, sometimes even the, the first five or ten minutes of the second half, so we've had problems this season. And the, the fact that this has never been addressed lies with with Murty. Um, clearly, I think we're going to talk about Dave King later on in the programme, but so maybe his comments during the week didn't help the relationships in the, the dressing room either. And as we've seen when Halliday and Candias went off, there's clearly... Um, something wrong in the background. Um, I don't know who they were directing their their comments at, but they were certainly both of them were very unhappy. Um, I don't think either of them played very well. But is, and I think that type of thing should always be kept for the dressing room. I don't think you, public sh- shows the emotion and fallouts um, are, are are healthy. But at the same time, there's um, there's there's clearly a problem there, and it's up to the board to sort that out in short order if they want to qualify for Europe. Interesting points here from Frankie. Would you agree with that, David? I don't Broadly, yeah. Obviously, what Stuart's saying there rings true, Colin. Um, the, the team selection and the, the formation, again, um, it started off a 4-3-3, um, then morphed into a 4-3-2-1 before um, reverting back to his tried and trusted 4-2-3-1 until uh, Ross McCrory got his marching orders in the second half. But... Um, yeah, when it, when it was 4-3-3 in the first 10 minutes or so um, before Celtic scored, that's still leaving you up against five guys in the middle of the park. I mean, it was like deja vu back to the league game at Ibrox. Tom Rogic was, was, was dropping back into the middle of the park. That's some, they had six players in the middle of the park against three guys. That's before you even get to um, somebody as slow as Andy Halliday, um, coupled with someone as slow as Graham Dorns. Uh, and someone that's you know low in confidence in Greg Doherty to try and combat that five-man midfield of Celtics. I just thought there was before you even get to you know point the finger at them for possibly you know a lack of effort and passion um, and belief. Uh, just the the whole thing it just seemed doomed to fail right from the, the outset. Unfortunately. So are you sort of you indicating here that this this reflects on Marty? You know, not, not so much the players in terms of a, a, a lack of desire and a lack of passion. It's purely down to Marty and his tactics and, and, and he, he's taking the fall for this. No, I wouldn't go that far. I think, the, going back to the league game at Ibrox, um, leading into that, there was obviously there was a wave of euphoria amongst the, the players and, and, and Graham was talking the players up in the press after in the back of the, um, the cup quarter-final against Falkirk. And... You could see that it was, it was justified up to a point, but obviously the psychological blow um, that they took from getting beaten by a 10-man Celtic team at home, obviously that played a large part in, in today's events, you know, leaving aside the, the obvious hangover that they had with uh, Kilmarnock and, and Motherwell. Um, I think that there's obviously a lack of belief. When players are as limited and the ability stakes as the Rangers squad tends to be, generally speaking, that that belief and confidence is going to be fragile anyway. Um, that's before you even get into, you know, the man management uh, skills 
of the manager. Um, so I think it's a, I think it's a combination of things. I don't think you can solely point the finger at, at Graham. Um, obviously, you know, his, um, uh, he's more of a coach than a manager. He's obviously he's cutting his teeth um, and learning as he goes along, and, and that I think it's just a, a you know a number of factors coupled together that you know has left us where we are today. Yeah, you're right, David. Um, Mark is far too passive. We've seen that throughout. Um, he stands on the side. He doesn't really get involved in the game, and that's fine. Not every manager does, but um, in terms of his, his changes, okay, he made a sub in the first half today. Um, I'm not convinced it was the right thing to do uh, with five minutes to half time. I think it might have been better to wait to half time, ironically, and and reorganise, given he was changing the system. Um, but and and Marty has to be helped by the guys in the park as well. And I mean, this is now three or four managers that we've been criticising, all fairly. But a lot of these players have been here now for for uh, the, the, the the periods of these guys that are in charge and. There just isn't any leadership. I mean, Alves started today, then came on, didn't really do much. Sorry, he came on in the second half, um, didn't do much at all in terms of leading the team. Tav is a captain. I thought he tried to push push the guys on, but I'm, I'm not overly convinced he's, he's vocal enough on the pitch or I'm not so sure he has the respect to the rest of the players. Um, guys like Dorans and Murphy, they're, they're really experienced. They're big Rangers fans. And yet, they're, they're far too passive on the pitch. They didn't. I mean, I think the biggest surprise I had today was when Doris tried to take the Celtic player out when when they were counter-attacking because he just didn't seem that type of player. And and when when you have a, a team that's passive and a team that are the opposite, which Celtic are, and they have a leader on the field in Scott Brown, then you're, you're sometimes beaten before you even start. You mentioned Andy Halliday there, yeah, sure. I, I, I can agree with you. I, I thought that the substitution was, I thought it was pretty poor. I mean, it was obvious that something had to change, but two or three minutes before half time, I think all he's done there is, 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 is hang the boy out to dry. And, you know, we've already mentioned the sort of reaction from Halliday and, and Candias when they went off. Does this indicate that there is actually a problem within that dressing room? I've seen some stuff on Twitter, I must admit, at the time when I saw Halliday coming off, I thought he was aiming his, his, his sort of anger at Murty, but there seems to be a suggestion on, on social media that it was getting aimed at Jordan Rosser, who was sitting on the bench. So, I mean, if that's the case, that would indicate that there's, there's something bubbling away in that dressing room that isn't, that isn't quite right. Well, yeah, I mean, as I say, I've, I've not seen a, a replay of the game, but at the time, I thought it was actually Jimmy Bell who was having a go at it, but I, I kind of see why that would be the case. Um, uh, Marty tends to be in the the, um, the the technical area, not really close to the to where the the, the dugout is at Hamden. Hamden's about twenty yards further back, so it, it seemed to me it was somebody certainly in the area of the bench. Um, and, and as I say, Jimmy Nicholl, one of the other players, but I don't know why he would be going uh, crazy at Jordan Rossiter. It doesn't really make sense. It certainly wasn't. A, it certainly wasn't Jimmy Bell or Jimmy Nicholl because they were they were actually standing behind them as he was as he was walking up. And the, the photo I seen in social media, the, the, the person who looks more obvious in terms of being in his sort of eye line is Rosser, and Rosser seems to be looking at him. However, there might be people out of shot that you're not that you're not seeing. You're maybe not getting the true context of the picture. But it, it seems to me now that it, it wasn't Marty. 
that he's not been aiming at Marty, who would be the obvious person to have a go at if, you know, if you've been substituted and you're not happy with it. We've all seen it. We've all seen players shout at the manager and head straight up the tunnel in the half. That doesn't seem to be the case this time. It seems to be that almost like there's some form of conflict within the dressing room, which, which I think is, is quite worrying. David, did you did, did you see the incident? Um, obviously, I, I'm in the I'm in the Rangers end of the game, so I, I couldn't really see it in, in real time. Obviously, I've seen um, some pictures of it since I've, I've came back home. Um, Again, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's, whether it's directed at Jordan Rossiter, I'm not too sure. Obviously, Andy Harvey's came off. He's, he's suffered the, the enigma of, of being substituted uh, in the first half. You've got the whole of Celtic in um, chanting his name sarcastically. Um, whether one of his teammates has maybe said something or, or, he, or, or one of his teammates have reacted to him saying something, you know, uh, maybe spouting something about the manager have been unfairly taken off. We don't know that. That that may well come out, um, <laughs> given that there's been a, uh, a propensity for, for leaks to come out the dressing room and, and things have, have went badly awry. Hopefully it doesn't. Um, but I can totally I, I can totally sympathise with, with Andy Halliday getting hooked in the way that he did. Um, but to, to go back to what Stuart said. Briefly, um, Andy Halliday, I mean, he was, he was drowning out there. They didn't look as if they knew what they were doing. It looked to me, watching the game in the first half, that they, they'd obviously worked on some kind of stuff in, in training, but because they've been working to, to Graham's 4-2-3-1 philosophy for as long as it, it seemed alien to them, because uh, one minute Andy was trying to pick up uh, Tom Rogic, and then towards the end, his, his time on the pitch, he was trying to pick up uh, Oliver Nietzsche. And they just seemed to be a disconnect between all of them in terms of trying to shut guys down, who's going to take who, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know whether that was just a case of Celtic being fluid and moving about the park and keeping them, you know, asking them questions and they were struggling to come up with solutions. But I just, it didn't look too good. And then you get to, to Daniel Candias, who shook his head and, and apparently walked straight up the tunnel, didn't even go into the bench. So uh, there, there may well be issues behind the, the scenes. It's a bit of worry, um, just because, I mean, as much as, as we've had a, a tough season, certainly uh, we've been inconsistent. Uh, whenever you see photographs of the training, the players look fairly happy. They look fairly comfortable with, with Marty. Um, and there certainly hasn't been any evidence at Ibrox of, of players falling out or, or such like. Yet today we've had two players go off. Fair enough, it's it's markedly different circumstances when you're getting hammered by your greatest rivals. But um, it's 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 a bit of worry with with the, the fixtures that we've got coming up. We can all afford to have a split in the camp, and it's certainly food for thought for the the regime at the club. Yeah, I mean, again, I would I would agree with a lot that's been said there. And there was another thing in, in, in Murray's post-match interview, and it all sort of feeds into the sort of feeling that maybe something's not quite right in our dressing room. Marty sort of suggested that it wasn't going to have uh, the debrief now or, or a discussion just now because it would lead to conflict. You know, emotions were running high and all that kind of thing. Now, thinking back to, to, to sort of successful Rangers teams, you know, they, these conversations, the, the one, there's an infamous story I remember in, in the, I think it was the 1996 League Cup final at Celtic Park when we beat Hearts 4-3. Gascoigne famously scored the two goals. Now, there was a bit of a spat on the park that day between McCoyst and Gascoigne, and it, it sort of boiled over on the pitch. And by all accounts, when it, when it went into the dressing room at half time, it properly 
spilled over. You know, it was it was approaching a full scale brawl between the two of them. Do you maybe need to have these conversations? Do you maybe need does that show that there's a lack of character in that dressing room that Marty feels he can't have that conversation with him at that time? You can look at it two ways. Um, emotions are going to be high, and I think the last thing you want is people fighting each other or being each other's throat. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to have that honesty and passion. And as, if you're the manager, you, it's up to you to to manage that. Um, certainly, if if you didn't have it there and then, that's fine. But take everybody back to Ibrox or Murray Park, whoever you're talking about nowadays, of course, and you have it out there. Um, I don't I don't think it helps anybody to let fester into another day. Um, if there's issues that, that between players and clearly the, the or, or the manager, then the, the quicker they're sorted out, the better. And uh, as I say, we've got we've got five tough games coming up. Um, it's imperative that we, we finish at least third and um, ensure European football. So we, we can afford afford to waste time. David. Uh, well, curiously enough, um, in the photographs that I've seen um, and the on the Rangers bench, uh, Bruno Alves seemed to um, step in and and, and kind of take Andy aside, uh, you know, and try to maybe douse the flames a wee bit. Um, what Stuart's saying there about um, a lack of leaders. I mean, you think throughout the season, um, the amount of players that have worn that armband. Um, right at the start of the season, obviously, club captain Lee, Lee Wallace was. Was incumbent, and then Kenny Miller took over the the vice um, captain's role and, and assumed the, the armband when when Lee went out the team. Then when uh, Bruno, uh, sorry, uh, Pedro had his his spat with Kenny Miller, um, Bruno Alves took the the armband, and then subsequent to that, you've James Tavernier has has assumed the the captain's mantle after Danny Wilson um, had deputised for a time um, before being let go. So. Uh, there seems to be it, it seems to be symptomatic of the whole club operation and there, there seems to be a lack of direction um, and that filters down into the dressing room I think you, you can see I think it's plain as day to, to see it um, it is a worry uh, and with regards to, to, to debriefing at the game and, and having it out in the game you'd like to see major players coming in and, and, you know, and saying something having it out in the dressing room you, you, you you look back to the the '96 League Cup final, of Colin, and I'm sure that you know whether it, you know the, the story about McCoy and, and Gaza, how far it went in the dressing room. Obviously, some you know Walter or uh, Archie Knox, you know, stepped in and said, "Right, enough's enough," and everybody you know shut up and, and actually listen. I refocus and listen to the manager. Now, whether there's a a, a shortfall in the respect here between you know a guy, you know, guys in their their early to mid twenties, up to their mid thirties, to a guy that's maybe only seven years older than them, that's this picking the side, and then a couple of that with, with John and Johansson. You know, you're wondering there about what's what the dynamic is in that dressing room, um, and I can see why Graham would would want to maybe just you know try and take the sting out the 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 media situation and not offer too much um, to the, the the associated press pack, but. Um, Aye, there's something, as Stuart rightly says there, we need to get, if, there's, if there's problems there, we need to get them ironed out um, for these last five games. It's imperative that we, we, we qualify for Europe. Quickly from the both these, where do we go from here? Where does this live Rangers for, you know, for the last five games of the season? Well, it's um, uncertainty. Uh, I think it's 
inconsistencies blighted this team all year and you can watch one Rangers team one week and a completely different Rangers team the following week even during a game sometimes it's incredible the, the, the difference in how we can play for the first half to the second half and vice versa you'll have 20 minutes that's excellent stuff and then you'll have 20 minutes that's really really poor and so as a fan you just don't know what you're going to get when you turn up and I think that's going to be the case for the next five games um, we've got Hearts at home on Sunday they'll give us a good game as they always do and if we're not up for it then we're going to find ourselves in, back in third place and um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Celtic won't be at full strength against Hibs the day before either David you got anything to add? I have <laughs> I'd be tempted to take Graham at the firing line, to be brutally frank, Colin. Um, whether that might be viewed as a immediate reaction and it might, you know, heat pressure onto Jimmy Nicholl and if it was Jonathan Johansson, uh, unnecessarily, I'm not too sure. But this is a big psychological blow to that Rangers team, which was already quite fragile in terms of its, um, its makeup. Uh, going to Parkhead, um, I, I, I worry. I worry we could. I mean, today the only positive to be derived from today's game was that it wasn't a, a bigger hiding. Um, I think going into their their backyard. I think uh, especially with what's went on today and Graham's. You know, I think he's lost the dressing room, um, and I think we could be we could be in a, of a serious hiding at Parkhead. That's before you even get to games at Easter Road and, and Petardry. So. If I was the, the, the board, I'd, I'd be seriously contemplating um, putting him out of his misery in the next couple of days. I would think I would tend to agree to that. I do think, you know, if, if, we're, if we're looking at securing a top three finish, then I think you have to look at, I think I think the turning point in, in this whole thing was was the was the game at Ibrox against Celtic when we, when we lost that. I mean, we'd been bubbling along not too badly up until that point. I think the wheels have come off pretty bad and I would agree with that. Dave King obviously made an announcement last week uh, to coincide with, with the season ticket renewals opening. How are we feeling about that? I mean, I mean, we've, we've talked already about you know who was responsible today in terms of you know lack of passion from the players, Marty's selection, all that kind of thing. You know, there was an announcement made by David King, and it was pretty not stinging, but he certainly appeared to make it obvious that Marty wasn't going to get the job on a permanent basis. You know, on today's show, and how I mean, how responsible or how much responsibility does the board have to take for for, for, for where we are at the moment? I think they have to take all the responsibility. Um, Kashinia was a risk; it didn't work out, so that's fine. They stepped in, they removed them, and they've not replaced them, and it's completely unacceptable. Listen, these guys have been in charge now for three years. It's it's a long-term project. We were never going to win the league again within three years. There clearly isn't a huge amount of money behind these guys um, either. So I don't think we can expect to buy our way out of it. So you have to be clever. You have to have the right manager first and foremost. And then that way you'll ensure you've got the right players. And if you don't have the players that you, um, that you want or can afford, then you can wield them into a team that can still challenge. I mean, you've seen it with Steve Clark at Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock were heading for relegation until they appointed him and the job he's done, there's nothing short of fantastic. And um, 
to say I'm jealous of what, what Kilmarnock is, is probably a reflection of where we are as a, as a club just now and um, I think uh, that there's questions to be answered to Dave King and, and the rest of the board in that front um, everything King speaks I tend to cringe a bit it's not often I agree with him actually I don't think his, his statements are, are all that succinct at times I think he's, there's a bit of verbosity there and um, I, I, I don't know if he's badly advised or if he's like David Murray and if he writes his stuff himself and doesn't like any criticism but I don't think the statement last week was great either um, in terms of the renewals. I don't think... Uh, clearly the fans don't want, or most of the fans don't want Marty in charge. And I think there was a that was reflected in the statement. I think he was trying to uh, to get people to, to uh, read between the lines. Whether or not uh, Marty had, had known about this beforehand remains to be seen. Whether or not it affected morale in the dressing room remains to be seen. But I, I'm not convinced it's, it's worked. Um, to our advantage and I'm not convinced it all work to the, the advantage of renewals and um, as I say it's, it's, the, the board are playing a dangerous game and to not have somebody in place is is negligent and reckless David uh, King said in his statement regarding the manager whoever is appointed must be able to meet the unique challenges of managing Rangers and ensure immediate success you know, I, I, I kind of agree with Frankie here. I, I, I think a lot of King's statements are sort of rhetoric filled, and there, 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 does, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of substance behind it. Because, you know, outside that that year in the championship under under Warburton, you would have to say it's been it's been a fairly disastrous three years. You know, it's a basic thing appointing a manager. You know, and 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 to appoint someone like Pedro, which in my opinion was never going to work, and then bin him after a few months and then hand it over to an under-20s coach. It's just, in my opinion, it's just not good enough. I mean, he's, he's came out with all this stuff this week. What, what is he going to do to, to sort of convince yourself that, that they're finally going to, you know, get it right? Oh, I've got a list that's, that's long in that, uh, that score call. Um, Again, as you guys have, have made mention of, this is a situation that the board's own making. They obviously they took a risk in appointing Mark Warburton, but I can see the reasons why they appointed Mark Warburton. Um, they didn't need to compound that by appointing Pedro Cachina, um, but nevertheless, they, 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 they sought to do so uh, and they've paid for that. Um, but when you think that, you know, in the calendar year of 2017, Rangers went, out, um, went without a manager for three whole months, and 12 weeks without a manager. Um, you can obviously, you can take that into 2018 up until the very uh, moment that we find ourselves in with Graham Murphy, that he's not exactly the permanent manager. So um, that borders on gross negligence, in my view, um, on the board's part. With regards to the timing of the, the, the renewal statement, I think that's a case of damned if he did, damned if he didn't, in terms of the, the statement. But, I agree with, with what Stuart's saying there. A lot of his language is, is nebulous. What you say there about um, about um, getting a, a manager in that is um, you know, able to meet the unique challenges of managing Rangers and ensuring immediate success. I mean, what does he mean by that? Um, he's very, he's vague. He's a master at using vague language. Uh, by all accounts, as a businessman, he's a very wary guy. Um, that would be born out by how long it's taken him to appoint managers. 
Um, so, yeah, the, the, the situation um, over the, the three-year period, I mean, it, it doesn't reflect too well on them. For them to do something, they, they need to make a statement of intent. And that, you know, hiring a, a proven manager uh, that's experienced and affording them um, a transfer kitty that, that's going to make a serious dent uh, in Celtic's uh, dominance is going to go a long way to to um, convincing fans like myself, yourself, Stuart, and countless thousands of others um, that this board are finally going to get serious um, about tackling success in the park and, and delivering it. Um, obviously, off the park, there's, there's some signs of uh, some improvement, um, which will probably come to in the next few questions. But you know, and the fans are ultimately they're driven by success in the park, and and the, the board have got it all to do. I mean, the, the issue with McInnes, and I, I know McInnes wasn't everyone's sort of cup of tea in terms of being appointed as Rangers manager. I have to say, at the time, I thought it was obvious choice. Uh, things have maybe changed a wee bit now since he's he's knocked it back. You know, his career seems to have went south a wee bit. But the very the, the very fact that they couldn't get Derek McInnes over the line, I think, I, I think that says a lot about where this current Rangers board is at. I, I get the Aberdeen manager a Rangers fan, a former Rangers player, and they couldn't get that deal over the line. Now, as I said, some Rangers fans might say, we've dodged the bullet, and understand why they're saying that, but I think that reflects poorly on, on, on this current Rangers board. I mean, I, I know we've got statements and all the rest of it. Is there, is there any possibility that you guys wouldn't renew your season tickets, or are you just renewing, that's what you're doing on Saturday, or are you in any way thinking, you know what, if these guys don't start producing... I'm not in this anymore. I mean, I'll be renewing. I don't think there's any doubt in that. However, I've, last year I think I did it within 24 hours of the of the, the notice coming out. Um, I think it's been a week, um, well, almost a week now since this this notice has came out, and I've not done it just because I'm. I, I was hoping that they would use this week and the renewal notice to name the new manager. I, th- I think, or I'm hoping. Surely to God that they know the new manager. So why not say now? I don't think it undermines Murray. If they've told Murray that he's not getting a job, it doesn't undermine him. Let's see who the new manager is and excite the fans and give back the fans an informed decision to make. I mean, they've put the price up 5%. I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't mind paying a little bit extra. I want to win the title again. So if I have to pay a bit extra, I have to pay a bit extra. But it's getting to the stage, it's, it's a lot of money. I mean, I'm in the broom loan, it's 450 quid. It's a lot of money. Um, so you, as, as David David touched on, you, you've got to you've got to show that intent and get people to buy into it. Um, I mean, the loyalty of the Rangers fans, it, it cannot be questioned. I think that's been shown time after time, especially in, in recent times. But... You, you should neither should the, the board be taking it for granted. I mean, I, I called them reckless earlier. I think I think that's fair in terms of the, the, the lack of um, appointing a manager. But I think at the same time, we shouldn't be throwing the baby out of the bathwater. Um, I think they've done a good job financially. Um, I think there's further improvements to come in that sense. I'd hope some commercial deals in the summer uh, in terms of the, the retail side of it and the, the strip. I th- hopefully we'll see some improvement there. The share issue, or probably more accurate, the share issues that are going to come up. Um, hopefully that will see some more intent from from King and, 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 and other investors. So I, I, I don't think it's a case that let's get this, let, get King out 
or get whoever out. There isn't anybody else there, so I, I don't think that's an option. However, at the same time, I don't think, and I said earlier, that they can't take the fans for granted, and I think there's an element of that. I think, I think the fans are tired, and it's a dangerous game to play if you don't give them anything to buy into. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with what Stuart's saying there. On the, on the positives, um, Dave King and the board, they've, they've obviously, um, they've read the club of Mike Ashley uh, in the Sports Direct contract. So as Stuart mentioned there, there's some commercial deals that will be, be in the offing. Uh, they've also looked, they look to have had a serious look at the, the youth setup, and I know that's going to be part of the subsequent topic, so I'm not going to that in any great detail. But it looks as though you know that they've, they've addressed that. Look, they look to be addressing that, and it looks to be a good decision. Um, they're obviously um, laterally they've they've started in investing other you know in infrastructure by um, there've been visual evidence uh, that they're they're renovating. Ibrooks. Um so that's these are all positives. Some of the negatives, obviously, there's there's not been any trophies other than the the first division title and the the Petrofac Cup, which you know in the eyes of a, a lot of Rangers supporters doesn't really represent success. Um, the managerial hunts, they've not covered themselves in glory there. And as you touched on, Colin, the the the, the courtship of, of Derek McInnes, that's, however way you cut it for whatever reason, whether you know Derek knocked him back or um, whatever impositions they put in place uh, and Derek didn't fancy them, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. The, the end up was that the club was embarrassed by that. It, it, was, it was almost like the, the, the tabloids had, had earmarked um, Derek as the next Rangers manager and then they eventually get round to making a, a statement to approach him officially, and uh, then obviously, less than forty-eight hours later, uh, Derek knocked him back. So that reflects badly on the board. Um, so with that in mind, th- th- they've got all to do in terms of reinstilling that confidence that the support have got in them. They, they, they obviously they've got they've got goodwill, which is for saving the club um, and taking out the hands of these deals and various other um, mystery investors, shall we say. Um, but that, that goodwill is in danger of being eroded away entirely. And, and results like today are going some way to eroding that even further. So they're up against it, in my view. Um, they're up against the they're right around the eight ball, so to speak. And they need to do something. Uh, and if, if, it's, if it's another left field appointment or, you know, um, that coupled with you know, a, a modest... Um, your transfer budget, given you know that they're going to, in all likelihood, likelihood have to pay off a number of players that that, that Pedro brought in, um, and guys that that, that that Mark Warburton brought in, David Wood brought in, that, that obviously you know haven't been able to deliver that level of success that's been expected of them. Then it's only going to make their job harder. So hopefully, hopefully, and I'm trying to be positive here and not beat that the board have got a, a card or two up their sleeve. Uh, and that they're going to, you know, reward the loyalty, really reward the loyalty, the supporters by giving us, you know, a, a football in operation, by way of a management team and a playing squad that we can all believe in. I, I mean, I think the points that, that, that both these make actually tie in with what, with what King said in his statement. He, he said, over the last year, we've made significant strides off the pitch 
on the pitch progress uh, has not been satisfactory. Now, he's of both sort of mentioned there, you know, the previous sort of incumbents, you know, Ashley, these deals, the deal with Sports Direct. Now, I don't think you can deny that, you know, that this board has, has sort of dealt with those things in, 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 in quite a good way. And from what I hear, there's, you know, the, 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 the strip announcement that's going to come up, that's going to be quite positive as well. And there has been some wee things at Ibrox that you see wee improvements here and there. You think, right, okay, although they're, they're still, I mean, I'm still embarrassed going into the toilets and the government here. But, I mean, the whole concourse areas to me need, you know, redeveloped. And <laughs> can't totally blame this this board because I think there was a lot of neglect went on when David Murray was there and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I do think they've made decent strides off the part, but I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think the time has come now that they they have to give us, you know, a decent manager, a decent coaching staff, and some. I think they're needing at least one. I mean, I know they went with Joy Barton a couple of years ago, but they need a, a proper marquee sign and something, a statement of intent, rather than just a statement filled with rhetoric, an actual statement, a physical manifestation of here you are, this is what we're doing. You, you mentioned there, David, that. <laughs> You, you, you think the board there was a lot of goodwill heaped on on King and his he's he's sort of a board you know when they were trying to get control of you mentioned there it's starting to corrode if, if if this had been the previous board you know your your ease deals and all that kind of thing how do you think the fans would be reacting just now because I think it would be a lot different compared to the sort of flack that King's getting undoubtedly Colin um, the, the flack would be night and day um, it's not beyond the, the realms of possibility that. You could be in the midst of a, you know, a fan boycott. I think that the, the patience of the, the Ranger support is to be lauded. I mean, to, to go through the, to go through the, the, the bad publicity that, that plays out in the press. I mean, the, the handling of the, the Mark Warburton situation. You know, whether it, it delivered what the board wanted, um, and it was an easy go out for them, it, it, it was poorly handled publicly. You know, in terms of the, the, the PR offensive, it, it's, it was almost like taking a Winchester to their, to their own feet. And um, then it, to, to compound that with, with such a left-field um, appointment as Pedro Cassini. Uh, and then obviously you know, the, the, the record defeats that he presided over um, with you know, the Celtic 5-1 game reverse and the, you know, going out of Europe to, to the fourth team in the Luxembourg League. I mean, oh, the, the, the goodwill is, it's ebbing away, but the, the fans seem to say, no, no, look, there's, there's mitigating circumstances. I've had to get their ducks in a row financially off the park. Um, there's obviously been, you know, years of neglect under Murray, at, at Murray Park and uh, at Ibrox, which have had to be addressed. Um, and that's before you even get to, to the plane uh, side of things. So, um They've got to do something, as you say. They've got to. There's got to be a declaration of intent. It's all very well saying it, and I think we touched on it. You know, speaking amongst ourselves there a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Bruno Alves and, and Joey Barton. They're, they're a step in the right direction up to a point in terms of them being a marquee signing. But in the grand scheme, they're, they're not really marquee signings, are they? Let's be honest. But then, who's going to sign for, for Graham Murphy? Who's going to sign for Pedro Cassinha? Dare I say it, who's going to sign for Derek McInnes? So, we, we, we often hear of ourselves, you know, 
the trumpet ourselves has been a big club. It's time to start acting like one. And that come we lead from the front. Uh, we've got a we've got a chairman who's six thousand miles away in Johannesburg. There's just seems, I mean, you look at Stuart Robertson and Graham Park, they oversaw the, the, the recruitment process for Pedro Cassinia. I mean, this, you're sending Stuart Robertson in to, to, to meetings to, to, to come up against Peter Lowell and guys like Rod Petrie. I mean, we need heavy hitters and we need to actually, we need to start delivering. I think that's just the long and short of it. Sure. One quick one from yourself, Douglas Park. I mean, David mentioned there that, that King's, you know, a lot of the time he's, he's not here. You know, he's, 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 he's in South Africa a lot of the time. The club also announced earlier this week that, that Douglas Park has now been appointed as deputy chair. Do, do, do you think that's a good move? Saying, the statement said they would now take up, they would now adopt a more prominent position within the club. Do you think that's a good thing? On the face of it, yes. Uh, Douglas is very experienced. He's worked with the club before. He's clearly putting a lot of money in. Um, him and his son are making a lot of the decisions. Whether or not this is a sign that um, they're making more and more of the decisions, especially with the share issue coming up, is fine. But I mean, Douglas himself isn't the um, the most well of people. Um, I think he's got a young son as well. So time-wise, I don't know. Is he going to bring any more time in there? That's, it's it's difficult to say just now. Um, but I think I think the more talent we have at, at board level, the better. And clearly, he's got a very successful company, so he's, he's, he is talented in that respect. But is it a reflection on the on, on what is happening in the future, or is this is there, is there problems with Stuart Robertson? Um, it's difficult to tell. Um, but as I say, this this brings us back to to declarations of intent, and the, the, the club have to do something on that front, certainly on the pitch, to get most of the fans on side again. Right, guys, you'll be aware, it kind of came out of the blue, actually. I was, I was a wee bit stunned when I read it. You'll be aware that, that David Bates announced this week that he's he signed a pre-contract agreement with Hamburg and he's moving to, to Germany in the summer. Hamburg currently sitting sort of second or third bottom and they've kind of been there for the last two or three seasons, actually. They seem to be perennial strugglers. I was, I mean, I was, I was, I was surprised and disappointed when I heard this. Could, could the Rangers have done something to prevent this? I, I mean, obviously... You know, there's money involved and all the rest of it. And, and Graham Marty was saying in the paper through the week that, that Rangers had talks with with David Bates and they couldn't match his demands, which is fine, fair enough. But, I mean, Bates came into the team, just going by memory here, sort of towards the end of last season. I think him and Beerman came in roughly the same time. Was it maybe worthwhile at that point then? Maybe thinking, well, we should extend his contract, get him on a better deal, just to protect the club and just to make sure that if anything like this came up, they would at least get a transfer fee. I think that's fair comment. Um, but the club will also say he wasn't playing him up until the end of last season, so why would you be extending a player's contract who was pretty much a fringe player? I mean, he came for Wraith Rovers, certainly unheralded. And even the guys that I know that watched the, the youth team didn't really rate him. Or, and certainly they were surprised that how well he'd done when he, when he came and played for the, the, the first team. Um I'm not sure how much uh, truth there is in terms of, uh, I think they were saying in the papers it was £7,500 a week the guy was wanting. Um, it's, it's, it's tough uh, in terms of, do you accept that for a guy who is uh, playing every week? Or do you think he's not good enough and we can get somebody else for that type of money? 
I think it seems to me that the, the club and, and Mark Allen have, have thought the latter. Um, and again, we can only hope and, and place our faith in them that they, they do have um, an alternative in mind, not just for uh, Bates, but for Wilson and Alves and Martin. All four of them can go as far as I'm concerned. Um, Bates was probably the, one of the, the, the better options that we had recently and it's no coincidence as soon as he got injured that we started to to, to struggle badly in defence. Um, I thought Russell Martin started the Rangers career quite well um, but he seems to have gone backwards at a fair rate of knots. Alves can, is, can, I is, just, can I just add a wee thought there, Frank, Frankie? I think I think Russell Martin's went backwards when he would, I think when he when he played with Bates, I think that's been our best centre half pairing over the last few months when those two have played together. I, th- I thought they looked better when the minute Alves came in and Cardoso came in, I, I thought it all went south. That's that, that's true. Um, but I mean, even even today, you had uh, Ross McCrory uh, back in the team, and um, and it was the same last week. Although we beat um, Dundee fairly comfortably, I still don't think we did. We looked too great at the back. Whether or not that's because. McCrory's probably not quite fit enough yet. I think there's a, an element of truth in that. Um, but but Martin seems to be all over the shop. He, he seems to play too deep. Um, he gets pulled out of position too easily. And as I say, he's, he's really struggled. Um, I, there's definitely a minute in what you say in terms of it's it's it's, it's difficult to, to blame people if they're playing with a different partner every every every, every second week. And uh, there's maybe um, a, a point there, in fact, that, that Fodderham has struggled recently as well because of that. So, yeah, but as, as it stands, we, we certainly need um, two new first-choice centre-halves. I don't think Martin can be one. I wouldn't be overly worried if we signed him. But to be fair, I mean, he's got to be on a big wage. So I'm sure he'd be wanting at least £7,500 a week. And would that money be better spent on Bates? David, have we, have we let a good player go here needlessly? We've let go two guys and uh, Danny Wilson and David Bates that um, merited persevering with, given their form uh, around about Christmas and, and in between Christmas and New Year. Um, merited them their places in the team ahead of certainly Russell Martin. Um, I agree. I'm sorry, I disagree entirely with, with Stuart. I haven't touched Russell Martin at Barspool. I'd, I'd, I'd drive him to the to Glasgow Airport and put him in the first flight back down to Norfolk. I mean, he, he couldn't get a game with, with Norwich's second team. Um, that, that says it all, regardless of whether they're trying to get him off the wage bill or not and sickening him. But when you've seen today how rusty he is, he's gave away, I mean, countless penalties since he's come in at the side. Um, but with regards to David Bates, um, I think it's a good move for David Bates. I think he'll he'll see uh, a different um, lifestyle. I think he'll see a different uh, coaching mindset. I think the, the the German way of life will will uh, will iron out a lot of the, the tentativeness in David's game. Um, whether he turns into the the ginger Maldini as everybody was was proclaiming him as um, that remains to be seen. Um, but obviously, German German football is an excellent environment to, to learn in, uh, and I just hope that it doesn't come back to, to bite us. Somehow, I don't think so. Um, I mean, if the, what's been reported in the press about his wage demands are to be believed, that's a lot of money for a guy that's that in in terms of first team football. I mean, he, he was at Race Rovers, uh, Race Rovers sent him in loan to East Stirling, who were in League Two at the time. Then subsequently, he, he moved up to Glebe Park to play with, with Brechin. Um, 
played a couple of months at Brechin and then he, 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 he brought back into the Race Rovers team. And it, when Race Rovers knocked, um, knocked us out the Scottish Cup at, at Ibrox, I thought he looked good that day. But then when um, when Pedro introduced him last season, it looked tentative. Um, having said that, I mean, he's made some good appearances, especially at Parkhead. Uh, to merit, I would say, persevering with him. Whether he's worth seven and a half grand a week, I don't know. But they, they seem to have painted themselves into a corner in terms of contract management. Um, don't forget, they've got Fabio Cardozo as well, that's not been mentioned in the in the centre-halves. But put it this way, um, to try and be as succinct as possible, um, if Aidan Wilson gets more of a crack in the first team, I think he's a, a more naturally aggressive centre-half in terms of attacking the ball. Um, and I think we may well uh, unearth an even better prospect in Aidan Wilson than, than David Bates was. It's interesting you bring him up, David, actually, because I know um, I know there were, he, he was having issues uh, with, with the club as well because I think he was frustrated and not having any game time. And I think he'd been promised, apparently, that he was allowed to go out on loan and Rangers changed their mind on that um, just in the new year. But eventually, he did go, obviously, to Dumbarton. But I don't think he's, he's set the header on fire there. Although, when he did play the once or twice last season for the first team, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, and... As I say, I'd, I'd be quite happy for for for, for us to, to give him another another chance um, if need be. In, ter- in terms of Bates, um, I, 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 again, we don't know how accurate the figures are. Seven and a half thousand pounds is a lot of money, and um, I'm not convinced um, that that would have been well spent on Bates. And certainly, if he can get more elsewhere, um, then good luck to him. Um, I don't harbour any grudges. It's a short career. These guys have to make as much money as they can. And if Rangers are unable to to give them the money that you can get elsewhere, then so be it. It's it, it comes down to to Mark Allen and and the rest of the uh, club uh, replacing them and making sure we have a better player. And I think there's that hope rather than expectation that would again um, we're feeling it with with in terms of uh, obtaining a new manager that we have um, better players to come in as I say Alves Martin Cardozo all of them um, are all struggling so we, we need new centre halves as a priority and um, for seven and a half thousand pounds a week you can get some decent centre halves but whether or not they're going to be of the standard we need um, remains to be seen with, I mean <laughs> We've seen this sort of thing happen before. The one that sticks out in my mind was was when Danny Wilson moved to Liverpool. When Danny Wilson first came into the team in his, in his first spell at Ibrox, I mean, I thought when I think he was 17, 18 when he broke into the team, I thought he looked an outstanding prospect. Now, I understand that, you know, financially, when a big club like Liverpool come champing on the door, and it's the same for Bates at the moment, you know, Hamburg are currently in the top tier the, the German football. It's, it's it's hard to knock them back, but I, th- I think you could argue, you know, the proof is in the pudding with Danny Wilson that actually moving to Liverpool wasn't actually the most beneficial thing for his career. He ended up struggling and then before you know it, two or three years later, he's back at Hearts and you feel that he's, his career's regressed a wee bit. But, you know, Danny Wilson at Liverpool, we've also seen the boy Gilmore moving to Chelsea. Does this sort of raise issues in terms of, you know, we spoke earlier about you know, King and, and the board have, have sort of improved things on the, and Mark Allen have improved things on the, the, the sort of youth development side. Did deals like this actually make you think that it's maybe counterproductive to sort of produce your own players, you know, through a youth system? You know, if they get to 20, 21, 
and a, a, a bigger club from a bigger league's just going to go, you know what, we'll have him and you'll not receive any transfer fee because he's in the last six months of his contract. Does it then become, well, what's the point in doing this? What's the point of producing players if we're just going to be cherry-picked? Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I think we've discussed it on the forum before, whether or not it's it's worth spending millions of pounds on a new system and, and getting little or no return or... As you say, when the the very best best of the of the, the talent is is hoovered up elsewhere. I mean, uh, for me, I think you've got to persevere. I think um, I think you've got to invest in it. I think you all get good players. Um, by the very nature of where Rangers are just now, yeah, teams like Chelsea and, and others can maybe come in and take up the the the, the real gems that we might, we might have developed, and we might just have to to suck it up when it happens, and just hope that we have enough players of maybe a slightly lesser standard but more than good enough to, to break into the Rangers team and and then at some point when they've done that then we can make money from selling them on because that's where we are now. Scottish football is pretty much a backwater. You can just look at the coefficients to see that. So I think um, I think it's imperative that we keep developing young talent because it's one of the few ways that we can make money. Not to mention um, rules when we do play in Europe you have to have homegrown players and club trained players so I think um, I think I think um, dissolving our youth system is not the right thing to do Yeah I, I agree with, it, with that um, what Stuart's saying there um, to get back to the Danny Wilson thing uh, and the Billy Gilmer thing Colin um, let's face it young players heads will always be turned by uh, the riches and offer in England given you know the, the country that we live in how the, the English league is marketed as you said there obviously so with, with how Danny Wilson's career transpired after he went to Anfield. Um, he also went to Bristol City and then went to, to Blackpool before he came back up the road with, with Hearts. Billy Gilmer, again, um, you know, he's offered you know a lot of money to, to go to Chelsea. Um, but you're always going to get these situations. Even the likes of Charlie Telfer. Um, remember a couple of seasons ago, uh, whenever it was, we've been back probably four or five seasons now. Um, Charlie Telfer. Uh, was making a lot of noise um, through his uh, his contacts in the press about you know what he wanted to be doing in the first team and and this that and the other. He obviously let his, his contract run down. Jamie Sinclair um, obviously told Ali McCoist you know this is what we where we see him. Um, went to Tanadice had a you know a quick. Um, Impact at Tanadice, but he's subsequently been let go. But United went to Livingston. I think he's, if memory serves me right, um, he's, he's playing somewhere in, in Holland. I think he's, he's, he's either playing second or third division football in Holland. So this thing's always going to happen to Rangers. But as Stuart says, there's, we've got to produce our own players. Um, contracts management's a big part of it. Um, and obviously, spotting the talent uh, and knowing where that talent's going to take you is going to impact on the contracts management. I mean, if you've got somebody that doesn't really, can't really spot a player and that they're having a, an input in, into, you know, making a judgment on how far a player can go either in the short term in the, in the first team or the long term in the first team, that's obviously impacting your, your contracts management. So one thing feeds into the other. It's all about, a, you know, a joined up holistic mindset and in, in, in how the, the club uh, is run. Um, but there's, there's, an, there's no doubt um, that we need to keep faith with the youth system, and obviously the, the club have put in place, you know, the, the playing uh, European and, and English side rather than 
and competing in the Scottish Development League. That's obviously bearing fruit because the, the, the 20s are, have, um, have pulled off some, some pretty impressive results uh, in their one-off games with, with continental uh, opposition, namely you know, Valencia, um, Bayern Munich, um, Feyenoord. Um, so they're, they're doing well, they're going in the right direction. So hopefully that will be a fruit going forward. The thing that, that we need is that ideally, We'd, we'd like to see two and three and uh, these guys coming through, if not every season, but every second season, so that we can start moving players on, start to build up uh, some funds to, to start investing in other areas of the club and reinvesting in, in uh, ready-made players um, to buy. So, yeah, I'm with Stuart 100%. We need to maintain and, and persevere with the, the youth setup. I understand your arguments. I, I, I really do. Uh, I, but I must admit, I, I, I get really frustrated when I, when, you know, when these sort of situations come up. I get, I got frustrated with the Danny Wilson one, and uh, you know, I was a wee bit frustrated through the week with, with Bates. Again, I, I agree with what you're saying there, David. <laughs> you know, if, if I was 20 year old and and, and Liverpool came champing at the door, then I, it's, it's it's very very difficult to knock that back. But it's bringing it back to the contract management side of things. You know, should we be tighter on that? Should I really do think we we should be in a better position that when we're going to lose these players, we're going to get as much as possible. And also, is it maybe worth you know turning the table on us a wee bit and and, and extending our sort of scouting to sort of you know European countries and bringing in younger players from abroad and selling them on at a profit? You know, rather than being the ones that have been stung all the time, because that's kind of how it feels to me. You know, you know. Do one over some other club somewhere. Say, right, we'll take that boy. It's 17, 18. We'll make him into a player, and we'll sell him on at 22, 23, 24, or two, three, four, five million pound profit, or whatever you can get from him. It just seems to me at the moment we're always the ones on the receiving end. If you know what I mean? Yeah, it's again, you're 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 definitely really right in what you say, but I think um, as I say, I think it comes back to we need we need a, a Scottish core of talent um, in, in the Rangers team. Um, not just in terms of our, our own heritage and history, um, the, the backbone of the Great Rangers teams have, have always had Scottish players in them and I think we need to maintain that going forward and as much as we should be scouting as far as and wide as we can, I think um, I think we play in Scotland, I think it's um, imperative that we, we develop players and we, we, we use that responsibility um, to, to help the club going forward. Um, does a 17-year-old laddie from Spain or or somewhere in Africa uh, have more chance of being successful? Uh, possibly. Um, I think it's just a case of of the, over, the whole um, overarching philosophy. I think you've just got to uh, uh, choose the best players and 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 develop them as as you see fit, and and uh, and just try and be as efficient as you can in terms of getting them into the first team. David. Yeah. The, the, the... As Stuart says, it's important to, to maintain a, a Scottish identity in the playing squad. But you know, you're hampered by you know the, the, the talent pool. You know, if if the if the local and indigenous talent doesn't have a sufficiently high enough standard, then you're forced to, to move abroad um, and look for players. Now, obviously, the, the, the scouting network that the Rangers once had the place has, has been dismantled. Uh, Charles Green publicly stated that he was getting other um, scouts. Um, there's been a scouting department has been put in place since uh, since Mark Allen came to the club. Uh, so that's a step in the right direction. Um, 
As regards uh, a strategy of um, identifying foreign talent and trying to to sell them on at a profit, you could you could argue that the Rangers have been doing that for for quite a period of time. Looking back, um, Reno Gattuso was brought in. Um, he may well not have been uh, seen as someone that would move on in short order. Um, you'd need to ask Dick Advocat that and, and David Murray, but they obviously brought him in um, and moved him on a season later. The recent um, example of that would probably be Jordan Rossiter uh, and to a lesser extent uh, Serge Atakai. So, there's, there's play. They've obviously identified players, and there's bound to be um, more players um, being identified playing uh, elsewhere. And they'll probably spot players given that they're they're now playing the likes of Bayern Munich, the likes of Valencia, um, Manchester City, uh, and, and various other teams. So they may well um, get to know of, of youngsters that might be let go by some of these clubs and they can can take them on and, and, and hopefully develop them and, and sell them on at a profit. But um, where the, the, the whole policy comes to it, you could, you could make an argument that with Rangers as a club and the Rangers support from a mentality perspective, would they settle for being a feeder club for, a, for one of these super clubs? Um, would, you know, would, would we want to be known as a as a as a team that, that gets players fanned out to, by the likes of I don't know you know Barcelona or Real Madrid or dare I say it Manchester City um, or you know someone in England um, I don't think that's the way to go personally but it might be forced upon us because you know the financial disparity between um, certainly the England uh, La Liga Bundesliga to a lesser extent um, Serie A and Ligue 1 um, in France, the financial disparity is only going to get wider, um, and as European football's shaped in the the years to come, um, again that's going to exacerbate that thing. So we need to, you know, get in our, our minds where we're going to go, what we're going to what we're going to do, and and hopefully it, it comes good. Right, if you're listening to the pod, thanks for thanks for listening in. We would encourage you to, if you've enjoyed it, to share it in all the usual sort of social media forums. Uh, Stuart, again, could you could you enlighten our listeners as to where they'll find the fo- uh, the, the podcast this week? Yep, um, our usual uh, platforms are all available. It'll be on uh, Castbox. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on uh, Google Play Music for um, our American supporters. So uh, keep an eye on the site um, and we'll have a full list of where you can source uh, the, the podcast. All I have to do now is thank Stuart and David for their time and what has been a very painful <laughs> painful experience today uh, and a hard pod- podcast to get through. Remember, if you're looking for some Rangers-related uh, discussion, get on the JersNet forums. Or you'll always find some cheery chappies on there and it will no doubt be a difficult week. A special mention to our sound guru who will turn what we've just said into a, a polished product uh, for everyone to download in the following week, and that's Graham. This has been your weekly Jersnet podcast, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>